Young women, pre-menopause, have a very low risk of heart disease. Why? It could be partly due to sex-based differences in their heart's lymphatic system. That's the system of vessels that drain away the fluid that leaks out of our capillaries and transports that fluid back to the circulatory system. The million dollar question is, if we could find out what factors we could use, what are those stimulating factors that could help to stimulate the growth of these vessels, maybe even before the heart attack, to protect ourselves? On this episode of the American Scientist podcast, the lymphatic vessels and how they help our hearts, particularly after surviving a heart attack. I'm Robert Frederick. It was a surprise. When imaging the whole lymphatic system of mouse hearts, Kathleen Caron and her colleagues at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill saw a remarkable difference between the lymphatic system of the hearts of male mice and those of female mice. The female mouse heart's lymphatic system was a lot more extensive. It was so easy to see, thanks especially to the work of Claire Trinkot, who had been working in Caron's lab to study the heart's lymphatic system and just earned her doctorate. I think I started it in the end of 2014, and then the actual imaging, I probably started in 2017. I had worked on the project already a bit before we decided to attempt to get these nice, like, full images of the vasculature of the heart as compared to just one slice of the heart. That difference, a slice, versus seeing the whole heart's vasculature made it really obvious just how much more extensive the lymphatic system of female hearts were compared to the lymphatic system of male hearts, which the team published about in the journal Circulation Research. I visited Trinko and Caron at Caron's lab at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. And to start our interview, ask Caron about what goes wrong in the heart after a person survives a heart attack, as well as how the heart's lymphatic system helps. Okay, so after a heart attack, some of the things that can go wrong within the heart are inflammation and scarring. But one of the things that we haven't thought a lot about is the edema or the swelling that happens within the heart tissue after a heart attack. And it can be a really bad outcome for the heart because if the muscle of the heart is actually swollen and full of fluid, then the muscle cells can't contract. And when they have trouble contracting, then the whole function of your heart is strained and makes it difficult for the heart to pump. So the lymphatic system of the heart helps clear that excess fluid. And like the lymphatic system does in other parts of our body, it takes up the excess fluid and returns it to our blood vascular system. And when it does that, it relieves the edema or the swelling within the heart. But also the injured heart or injured tissues in other parts of the body can sense that there's this added edema and swelling over time. And so the vessels themselves can become activated and can start to grow. And this is a process called lymphangiogenesis. And so the vessels begin to grow because they're sensing that there's extra fluid that they need to clear. And so the heart adapts by having this increase in lymphangiogenesis, which helps over the long term 
continue to drain that extra fluid within the heart. How do you prompt that lymphangiogenesis, the reactivating the heart's lymphatic system to clear that fluid away? It seems like that would be a really good thing. Yeah. So that's like the million dollar question is if we could find out what factors we could use either therapeutically or just naturally that occur in our bodies, what are those stimulating factors that could help to stimulate the growth of these vessels, maybe even before the heart attack, to protect ourselves from myocardial edema? Identifying what those factors are is really the key area of study in the field right now. One major lymphangiogenic factor is a factor called VEGFC, vascular endothelial growth factor C, and it makes lymphatic vessels grow like gangbusters. But from therapeutic perspective, it's difficult to target this type of receptor. Our lab has been working on another lymphangiogenic peptide called adrenomedulin. It's a small protein blood hormone that is actually increased in patients with heart attack. And so maybe this is the body's natural response to stimulate lymphatic vessels. And in our work, we've shown that this adrenomedulin peptide can promote the growth of lymphatic vessels and that that can protect our heart from bad outcomes of having that tissue edema. Was this work done in mice? Yes. And the reason that we use mice is because we can use genetic tools to change the levels of expression of our gene of interest, adrenomedulin, and many other genes. We can also perform surgeries on mice and evaluate their heart function, just like we do in people, do echocardiograms on them and study their heart function. So they're a really great model where we have tools to change or uh, experimentally control the genetics, the physiology, and evaluate the longitudinal outcomes of heart function in an animal model. Is there any good reason to think that the research done on this mouse model and use of this hormone, adrenomedulin, will apply directly to humans? Any studies of adrenomedulin use in people directly? There are some very exciting studies. There's two ways to look at it. The first is that adrenomedulin hormone increases substantially within hours after a heart attack in humans. And those studies have been done in large clinical trials with tens of thousands of patients. So if you have a heart attack, your adrenomedulin levels will go up. And we believe that that's the body's natural response to trying to combat the bad outcomes of a heart attack. But also there have been some very exciting early clinical trials in humans in Japan, where they've actually infused adrenomedulin peptide into the bloodstream of patients shortly after they had a heart attack. And the outcomes were fantastic. So it helped improve the function of the heart and improve the short-term survival and the outpatient release of these patients from the hospital after their heart attack. So there's a lot of potential in humans for this peptide as a therapeutic target. So also we know that although mice are quite different than humans and a mouse's heart beats 600 times a minute compared to our very slow human heart, there are a lot of similarities, particularly in the function of the heart. But more importantly, there's tremendous similarity in the actual genes and proteins that encode adrenomedulin pathway. That is to say, 
the, the sequences uh, in the mouse gene are nearly identical to the sequences in the human gene for this adrenomedullin peptide and its cellular targets. So if we can study the therapeutic benefit of this protein in a mouse, it's very likely that it'll have the same effect in humans. So if they're already doing these adrenomedullin infusions in patients, in people, and it's working, why not continue on with clinical trials here in the United States with people? Right. So there's a lot of limitations to that. The first answer to your question is that it was a very small study, and there were not many patients because it was a pilot study, just to look and see what happens. But the bigger answer is that this adrenomedullin peptide binds a protein, and this whole system is activated by a protein called a G-protein coupled receptor. And instead of using adrenomedullin peptide, which is very expensive to make, doesn't last very long in our blood, it degrades very quickly, we could instead try to develop small molecules or other types of biologic reagents like antibodies or small molecule targets to the receptor that would be more economical, would have less toxic side effects to patients. And so there's a lot of room and growth for developing better therapeutics than the actual peptide itself. So even though it's produced naturally in the body, there are some side effects from adrenomedullin infusion. There are. So the primary thing that adrenomedullin does in our blood vascular system as it's circulating around is that it's a vasodilator. So if you infuse a lot of this peptide, your blood pressure will plummet because <laughs> your blood vessels will dilate and you'll start getting lightheaded and you might pass out. So infusing this peptide is not only expensive, but it could have bad side effects for the patients because it changes the hemodynamic function of their blood vasculature. Okay. Kathleen Caron, thank uh -huh. you very much. Thank you. Kathleen Caron is a cell biologist at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. In the March-April 2019 issue of American Scientist, you can read more about Caron's team's work to understand the sex-based differences in and ways to prompt the growth of the heart's lymphatic system. Online at americanscientist.org, you can also see a 3D version of the heart's lymphatic system, thanks especially to Caron's graduate student and new doctorate, Claire Trinko. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist magazine, published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. I'm Robert Frederick. Thanks for joining us. Music